0: The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell. We are in your ears. Glad to be there. And good job with that Q-tip, by the way. We're also delighted to be in the company, even across the miles, with Mike Roberts. So Though I remember we're supposed to just call him the Dude. We're with the Dude. Hey, Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, the Dude's doing okay. And uh, just because we're so far apart geographically doesn't mean that we are that much, at least emotionally, mentally. We're we're <laughs> on the same page. Yeah. We're on the same frequency. <laughs> there you go. Suzanne, we're having a good time once again. Valentine's Day come and gone, not forgotten. We're extending the Valentine vibe today with our special guest. She comes onto our show once a year, whether she wants to or not. I'm proud. I'm proud to call as my friend Catherine Alice. This is her 12th time
1: on air with us. In March, we'll be celebrating 13 years on air, and she started the first time in 2009 with a two-year-old book here that's now about uh, 12 years old. And uh, we will talk to her about that and so much more. Catherine Alice teaches and writes breakthrough material in the arenas of dating and love. Her approach stresses awareness and faith, and this positive, upbeat outlook has helped many singles enjoy their unattached status And thousands go on and find love. Catherine served as director of the Agape Spiritual Center's crisis support team for six years. And she has been based as a religious science practitioner there, a spiritual counselor, and a member of the clergy. Her book, Love Will Find You, Nine Magnets to Bring You and Your Soulmate Together, was published in 2007. She lives in California with her soulmate, John, and Four, count them, four sons. And we welcome her for the 12th time to Manson Mitchell, Catherine Alice. How are you today, Catherine?
2: Great. Glad to be with you guys, Suzanne and Gary.
0: Always a pleasure.
1: The day after Valentine's Day, I think, is going to leave people in one of several places. (laughs) One was, oh, thank God it's over. The other is, (laughs) wasn't that a nice day yesterday? And the other was, maybe it's time I found my soulmate. So uh, I think we ought to talk about that today.
2: Definitely.
0: Before we get started, Catherine, I just want to do a bit of checking in with you because you suffered a great loss and being the resilient human being that you are and on the strength of your wonderful marriage to your wonderful husband, where are you now? What is this, a year or two years later?
2: Yeah, it's about a year and change, and um, I am in Malibu, California, where we live still, <laughs> and uh, bouncing back.
0: I think that's wonderful. I really, and those who are unaware, uh, you know, California is wildfire country. Just about everybody knows that. But not everybody knows someone who was affected so devastatingly by the fires. And uh, a year and change ago, to use her phrase, Catherine Alice lost a beautiful home that she and her husband had built. I think you even designed the home, did you not?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're, we've been bouncing back. You know, it just goes to show that uh, we're quite resilient people. You know, human beings are resilient. So we're bouncing back, our community's bouncing back, and we still have the ocean and the sun and each other, so life can't be too bad.
1: Well, it seems like there's, there's two ways to go when tragedy occurs in anybody's life, and one is to just throw up their hands and say, okay, I quit, and the other is to pick themselves up and do something, And I think when we're devastated with any kind of a loss, a a home, a financial loss, a relationship loss, health loss, whatever it is, you are at that choice point. You know, how will you how will you react? How will you go forward in life, either allowing that loss to affect you negatively or to just make you a little bit stronger? And, you know, Gary and I knew it was going to make you stronger, Catherine Alice.
2: Uh, Well, thank you. (laughs) Thanks. It's definitely done that. And I thank God for all of my background because I used to direct a crisis support team because I have tools to handle it and I could kind of help my family handle it better. So, yeah, thank you so much. That means a lot.
1: We met in um, Seattle. We had you on the show in the station in Seattle at KKNW. And you were coming to, uh, I believe, Center for Spiritual Living to talk about your workshop, Love Will Find You. Now, your book was in 2007, and there's so much in it. We don't tire of going to your book to talk about the various of the nine magnets to bring you and your soulmate together. But I want to ask you, are you continuing to do workshops on this topic using your book?
2: Absolutely. Well, right now... Uh, I, after all these years, this book has sold and sold and sold, and it's called an evergreen because it just continues to be quite popular. If you look on Amazon, you, you can see. Um, but I'm finally doing an audiobook, and so if any of your listeners wanted to get it early, we can put you in a special Facebook group, and we're we're releasing it chapter by chapter. Um, after all these years. <laughs> Uh, finally doing an audio book people have asked me for years and so i am absolutely still doing this work i'm doing it more than ever and people really need help with love particularly now that valentine's day is here uh it's just people go through way too much over it or either they have like the wake-up call that it's time for me to find love
1: you know gary and i were as we contemplated valentine's we have no, We know people and we've talked to people that really stress over trying to make it great, make it wonderful, make it bigger, make it better, make it more expensive, like over the top. And yeah. he and I had a conversation about what would we really like to do. And our agreement was that we did not want to go to a restaurant or be out in public we picked up food, we brought it home, we rented a movie at home, and we enjoyed just being together with the two of us. It wasn't about, you know, being out in public on Valentine's Day. It was just about the two of us on Valentine's Day. But you need to make those choices. And our choice was to de-stress the day, not to make it yeah. bigger and better and brighter. And, and you know, I, I like... I like doing it that way. I, I talked with a couple people today that that were uh, of the category of, I'm glad it's over.
2: And <laughs> not <laughs> surprising, but I'm glad you guys made the most of it. It sounds like you guys are doing well, right?
0: Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, awesome. It, well,
2: I like that idea of not, you know, not buying into the huge commercial aspect, which is really beside the point. Uh, and Valentine's Day has become very painful for a lot of people. And I'm glad you guys just made it into something you wanted to do. I think that's the best way to go with it.
0: I think so too, Catherine, because we took control of the situation, which is always, a, or I should say, usually leads to a good feeling. It comes uh-huh. down, you want to talk about the general down to the particular <laughs> or the sublime down to the ridiculous. I went looking for a card last minute. Yeah, it's true, 24 hours in advance. And I go to the store where they had the nice cards, you know, the average card that was worth even buying was eight bucks. And I'm saying, wow, $8. Isn't that one of those things where $8 you can feed a dozen kids in China or something, $8 <laughs> for a poorly, a poorly constructed car that was supposed to be funny. And it wasn't the art. Wasn't that hot, but you want $8 for that. Forget it. So, I decided on Suzanne's advice, no less. Well, on
1: on Suzanne's confession, (laughs) I, I said, Gary, I bought your
0: card at the dollar store. And so... And I was not offended. I said, okay, so I'll go to the dollar store. And wouldn't you know, luck being on my side, I found one. Our love was written in the stars. And it was a beautiful, simply crafted sentiment, a pretty card. And I thought if I was going to pay eight dollars for a card, I'd pay the eight bucks for this one, and I got it for a dollar, and it was well received. So I'm saying that, that and that's I guess that's the point of it. You can make a lovely Valentine's Day for yourself with another. Take charge of it instead of trying to set your expectations around commercially enforced standards.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree, and I notice that too a lot. I may I home make Valentines, um, and uh, you know, and put what I want on there. But I, I agree with it. Just gets too built up. There's too many expectations, and so therefore, whether you're a couple or not, it can just be unpleasant. Um, I was uh, interestingly enough. I had to be at the hospital yesterday with a relative. I was just going with her to an appointment. And um, no big deal, but we went by the emergency room in, in the process, and it was overrun with people. And I asked one of the people who worked there, I'm like, is this usual around Valentine's Day? And she laughed, and she said yes. She said she felt like Valentine's Day brought up so much for people that uh, that they ended up in the hospital. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow.
2: That's,
0: that's
1: really
2: going to an extreme.
0: And you can't fix that for <laughs> eight bucks.
2: No, you cannot. That's a, that's a really hefty bill for Valentine's Day. My, wow. the, fa- the most popular video I ever did on YouTube, is, and it's still popular, right? we tweet it out and we send it out every year because of that, and it's got like tens of thousands of hits, but it's on uh, Valentine's Day, and it's what to do on Valentine's Day if you're single. If you're vaguely suicidal over Valentine's Day, watch this video now. Because I tried, I could see that early on, that Valentine's Day was a real trigger, and I felt like I needed to help people, because it is, it can be so distraught, whether you're in a couple, so you, you kind of stressed out about it for a minute, until you figured out what you were going to do, and you can imagine if people are single, it, it could be even worse, and so uh, I did that video, and it's been very popular, just because it's such a, a hot-button issue somehow. <laughs>
1: You know, and and really, what is that about, Catherine? Uh, it, it seems to me it's about, uh, you know, am I lovable? You know, if I'm by myself, does that mean I'm just not lovable? And and I, I really did feel that way for a long time until I got together with Gary. Uh, mm-hmm. I was concentrating on my career. I was making money. I was I was saving money. My 4 k was blooming. I was involved in organizations and other things, but I, I didn't have a soulmate. I didn't have a, a man in my life, and uh, and so I was occupied with a lot of other things, and there was a part of me, you know, big part, little part, I, I can't say, but there was a part of me that said, well, it's okay, I'm just not lovable. I'm, I'm not going to have anybody yeah. in my life, and, mm-hmm. and I think that that's part of like the lie people tell themselves is there must be something wrong with me if I don't have a special person.
2: Yeah. And see, that's, I, I'm glad that you got over it. And of course now you're with your soulmate, but I am, um, that's, I have to do a lot of remedial work with people who have that thought. You're not the only one who ever did a lot. I think a lot of people worry when they're single, that they're lovable. The fact is that there are more single people than coupled up people now according to the latest census and uh so single people are in good company and we're all single at one point or another there's nothing wrong with it and it's very important to get happy single and know that it is a choice for now because maybe you're just waiting for the right person maybe it hasn't been the right time but it's okay and so uh, hopefully you started feeling better about it before gary came you know swept you off your feet
1: I, I wasn't really open very much for having a relationship because they were just too hard. I mean, I could mm-hmm. I could conquer piles of paper and, and financials, but I couldn't I couldn't manage to successfully navigate a relationship. And mm-hmm. at the at the point where I I did meet Gary, it, it was just um, it was a tiny little bit of willingness. To meet somebody, when I said yeah, yeah it was yeah, your, your
2: inner yeah yeah you had an inner thing and it you yeah. know those are those those are fears that are very common I think you know that it, that it'll be like relationships are hard work I think they are with the wrong person uh, with the right person it's as you can see and have experienced it becomes easier and it's different than people have in their head so that's a good belief to to let go of
0: i think it is too and i also want to just let everybody know in case you haven't figured it out with social conditioning being what it is it's a challenge but one worth taking on not to assume that if you don't have a valentine by defa by definition because you are without therefore you're a loser in the great sweepstakes of life you know oh, you know, it's valentine's day and you're single i can't even tell you how many valentine's days I found myself single, but I rebelled at the notion that that makes me a loser. No, it makes me unpartnered there. But how would that make someone a loser? Do you enjoy your own company? If the answer is yes, you're a winner. If the answer is no, that's what you need to work on. Not your status per se, but start with loving yourself and see where that takes you.
2: Exactly. Yes.
0: Well, I'm pretty that's much done. that's kind of I can... one of the
2: magnets I teach. You, you, you know, you kind of repel people if you're desperate or needy, but if you do feel happy with your own company, that is a very magnetic stance to have, and it's much easier to attract love from that position.
0: I think so too, Catherine, because at root it's about self-acceptance. I don't use the term self-esteem very often. I think it's kind of booby-trapped, and the reason why I yeah. feel that way is because if it's self-esteem... It nevertheless derives from other people's holding you in esteem, the respect that you get, the admiration, the goodies. And if any of that is withheld, what then? Are you going to have less self-esteem? That has to be innate. And so I think in terms of self-acceptance, which can be unconditional, certainly you can work at it, and self-respect rather than self-esteem. But a lot of this is such an inside job that you can acquire over the years a great, really kind of a um, a citadel or a temple, like our, our bodies are our temples, so is your self-appraisal. That can become your temple. Honor it. Worship the highest ideals in yourself. And if you have company on the way, a partner on the path, so much the better. This, this is the kind of thinking I do around Valentine's Day. I get triggered by it. Even though I've been, it was our 18th Valentine's Day together, Suzanne and I, 18 of them.
2: <laughs> well, congratulations. Guys,
0: well, thank you. Yes, we made it through 18 Valentine's Days. There, And I still look at it as something that is conditioned by a commercial culture, and it puts a lot of people in a bad way. And to take your story, it puts some of them in the hospital.
2: It really does. It's crazy. I, I didn't realize until yesterday how bad it was. Um, matters of the heart are, are, you know, are very deep. And so to take that pressure off, I almost, when I heard that from that nurse, I kind of wanted to eradicate Valentine's day altogether. It's supposed to be a day of love. I talk about that in my YouTube video just to use it. And, and, uh, but it's supposed to be a day of love with no pressure, no should. And, um, the best thing I always tell people to do is buy a Valentine for your future Valentine as a way of kind of inviting them in, uh, You know, because I did that, and I ended up giving it to him on our wedding day. It's just an affirmation. I will have love. It might not be in the perfect timing. It might not be by Valentine's Day, but it doesn't matter. Ultimately, every day will be Valentine's Day. Oh, I
1: like that. Every day will be (laughs) Valentine's Day.
2: Yeah, well, I I think... think it's a good, you know, thing to live by is just, you know, to live in love all the time.
0: Most definitely. Catherine, there are a couple of areas I wanted to get into that we have not discussed, certainly not in any detail, the 11 previous times you joined us. And I want to get into that. I can get started. We have several minutes before we take our one break of the hour, and then we'll see where the rest of the hour takes us. I wanted to ask you about the concept of unconditional love. It's very tricky to me. It's rather an emotional minefield, if you will. I'll tell you why I say that. When I look at unconditional love, I think of my relationship with Suzanne. And I've told her this on a number of occasions. I tell Suzanne, you are the one person in this life who has my unconditional love. That doesn't mean that I don't get P.O.'d at you and vice versa. We have our controversies. We work it out. We have to negotiate. But the bottom line for me is I love you unconditionally. All others pay cash. (laughs) But it it has to do with with my need and expressed need to have one person in my life who can screw up and not lose my love, who can disagree with me and not lose my love. And I give that to her, as I say, unconditionally, because I do not ask her to reciprocate unconditional love or it wouldn't be unconditional. And yet with the rest of society, life is so much of a daily negotiation, a grind of negotiation, that I give myself a mental break, not a breakdown. I cut myself a good break mentally when I think in terms of my relationship with Suzanne that doesn't have to keep proving itself
2: mm-hmm. well I love that and Suzanne is very lovable and certainly worthy of unconditional love but um I love that and you know wouldn't it be nice if we could feel that way with everybody I'd like to think we could get there but I know right now most we don't but you it's just so precious that you have that with one person that you love her no matter what
1: we were talking yesterday with somebody who's actually from your neck of the woods, a man uh-huh. named Adam Shack. We were getting the man's point of view on Valentine's Day. And one of the things that he brought up because he had been um, in the presence of Ram Das for workshops and various things that he had done. and he was saying that um, Ram Das, Had used the mantra, I am loving awareness. And so we were talking about how a person is in the world when that is their claim to who they are, as opposed to, uh, you know, loving a particular person, loving a particular animal. Um, uh, loving a particular job or situation if you are just a loving consciousness a loving presence and how different that really is because you're exuding something you're not just you know saving it for a, a particular event to come true in your life you are that thing and and how different that is from how we are normally uh, hardwired as human beings it just making that choice to be love on a constant basis you know as often as I, you can yeah
2: i feel like we have that when we're really small babies are pretty unconditionally loving if you look at animals they really are um and i think that we we're born that way and maybe we're trained out of it uh just by where we are as a you know society at this point i think it's possible and things are getting better but it's possible to get to that place. It's a quite enlightened place, of course. But I do think we can, and it, it's good for us. The more your heart is feeling love and, and feeling, you know, respecting all things and loving that, the better I think the better off we all would be. So it, it could be aspirational.
1: Well, and that's just it. The the first person who broke the five minute mile, and then the four minute mile. Mm-hmm. It's like when one person finally does that, then that's open to other people doing it. And, and so I, I took a little bit of encouragement from this idea of being a loving presence. And, and one of the things that uh, the doctor brought up yesterday, which we have heard before, is that human beings are actually hardwired to default to the negative. And it just goes back to the saber-toothed tiger days and the survival days when mm-hmm. you know you could come out of that cave and be eaten by a wild animal. The whole big fight or flight thing has put human beings into a a hardwired natural default state of negativity, looking out for the other guy. Who is it that's gonna get me? Who do I need to fight or run away from? And so in order to live that kind of a life, you have to be constantly overriding that negativity. You have to be able to that. Yeah, but I think I think we can that.
2: circum we can completely circumvent that. Um studies oh. show that well, meditation has been shown, like they couldn't believe when they started getting these research findings, but meditation has been found to actually circumvent even hardwired reactions. Because I, I agree and I'm aware of that, that our, um, you know, we are wired to react negatively for our own self-protection. Now, in this day and time, our survival is rarely threatened. You know, we're right. way above survival level anyway. Right. And so um, studies have shown that meditation will absolutely, absolutely, and it's crazy that it's true, but will circumvent even stuff that we're hardwired to do, like blinking. Uh, you, you know, there's certain things that they're they're involuntary reflexes that we're hardwired to do. Meditation is the one thing that will circumvent those. And this is a really outdated thing. And so I think with some conscious effort, and there are people, you can meet people who are pure positivity and rarely give in to that, that um, that bias toward negativity. And so I, I really do believe even that we can circumvent and that we are becoming more positive and we're, we're evolving because we're way above survival level. We've conquered that. We're not, you know, beating the fields for uh, prey or hunting and gathering and worrying that something's going to eat us. You know, we're way beyond that. Right. And so we right. are more than than the animals, and we're certainly, thank God, above survival level at this point.
1: i I do think it's useful. I think it's it's helpful for us to say our more natural way of being is to be negative. Mm-hmm. And, as you said, you can circumvent that negativity. But if you wake up and you're, you're, you know, critical and and, um, negative and this is never going to work out and I'm not lovable, I'll never find anybody, that if you know that that is the default setting on your computer in your head, that you do have the opportunity to meditate. You do have the opportunity to say, I'm not going to think that anymore. That doesn't help Mm -hmm. me. I'm going to think my soulmate is out there, and I just need to meet him or her.
2: Yeah, and 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 it is a conscious decision. That's right.
1: Yes, yes. In fact, that was one of your nine magnets is making that conscious decision.
2: Yeah, that's like the first magnet because basically we operate either in faith and trust that things will be okay. We'll be able to get what we want, have a wonderful life, or fear. You know, those are the two extremes. And so my first magnet is to get yourself in faith that there is somebody for you, you know. And I think that applies to all of life, and it's a more magnetic stance. Just the idea that everything will be okay, that we can get what we want, and we can live the lives we want, and we don't have to go around being operated by fear all the time.
0: Yes, and when we're operating with that program of fear running continuously in the background. We're going, I think it shows up in a way as neediness. When we see somebody who's needy, they're afraid that their life isn't enough and won't be enough. So they're fear driven. And the needy behavior is like that stench of desperation that keeps people away. Yeah.
2: Yeah. it's, It's a very repellent energy. Fear, desperation, neediness is very repellent. And it's one of the things I have to clean up with people is any tendency to go there or, or operate, especially, you know, with love. You can, you know, it's like the old kind of the, uh, the stereotypical meat market where you go into a singles party or a bar, and it's just everybody's looking around. Like, that is just the worst energy, and it is kind of desperate or needy energy, and it's very repellent. And, and you know that. We all know that, too.
0: Yes. Uh, well... I've told the story before about the barbecue after an evening church service that Suzanne and I organized. We didn't organize the service, but we did organize the barbecue so that single people could get to know each other, some of whom were new to the church. Others had been around a long time. They were not partnered. And they talked all the time about, when am I going to meet my soulmate? When am I going to meet my soulmate? So we just got a barbecue together on church grounds near the, the sanctuary. And it was a lovely service on a Sunday night. It was in summer, so it was light out. And we had some nice picnic food available that we provided. What do you think happens? We get a complaint from the minister's office that somebody said they didn't like that barbecue because it was like a meat market. And I thought, my word to that person is, sorry, I can't help you. All I can do is provide the opportunity. It's up to you to do, as the senior minister used to say herself from the platform, put a foot in your own back and push, because that's yeah, how you could have Yeah, they
2: could have helped to set a different tone. It's something I always battle. You know, when I t- used to teach bigger workshops, I don't teach as much in live. You know, in this internet day and time, I usually will do things online. When I used to go around and teach these huge workshops, including one at your very spiritual center, that was one of the things I really had to work on, is just that it didn't degenerate into a meat market, because it was a room full of, you know, over a hundred singles many times, or, you know, several hundred, and so, because of that, that, you know, it, it is, you have to think about it, and you have to set that tone, and it can be daunting. You know, I had to set rules, even, about interacting and about the energy, because people You know, you could see that tendency, and we definitely got some stories. You know, things would come up with people because their fears about being single would come up, or they're being off-center, like you're talking about, where they're kind of desperate, and it's a little of a meat market environment.
0: You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a break, Catherine Alice. We love having you on with us. Her book, everybody, if you don't have a copy of this book, you definitely need to buy it, particularly if you're in the market. I hate that term meat market but it still has currency (laughs) love will find you that's Catherine alice's book love will find you nine magnets to bring you and your soulmate together when we come back from our short break i want to flip the coin flip the script and talk about okay the golden day arrives then what We'll take that up with Catherine Alice on the other side of this short interruption. Stay with us, we're Manson Mitchell and you are tuned in to the very epicenter of alternative talk in Seattle, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests.
2: Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty
0: act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere.
3: There are many sounds in your day-to-day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. (laughs) Sounds that energize you. (laughs) And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices,
0: On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed KKNW star Christine Upchurch for an hour of what we like to call metaphysical Q and A.
1: On Saturday, Josie Varga returns with stories of heavenly communications with our dear loved ones between this side and the other side,
0: bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007.
1: We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150.
0: Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call.
1: Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Catherine Alice. We like that little piece of music by the OJs.
0: 1973. I love
1: that. I love, that's a song I haven't heard in a long time, and I really like that. Now that we have found love, what are we going to do with it? Well, we're going to find out in just a minute from Catherine Alice. But in the meantime, Catherine Alice, if people would like to connect with you or get your book, what is your website and where can they get your book and anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Well, the best place to get the book is on Amazon. So you just look up either Catherine Alice or love will find you. Just like that I think there's a journey song called that but um just look up love will find you on amazon and it comes right up and my website is katherineallis.com k-a-t-h-r-y-n-a-l-i-c-e.com
0: okay thank you katherine I have a title for your next book
2: <laughs> what is it tell me
0: I, th- I think you should write a book and call it so love found me what now That's great. I love it, yes. I I picked that OJ's bumper music precisely because I wanted to ask you, once love has found you, now that we have found love, where do we go from here? And I asked the question in the context of wondering what people do, and I, I know some of what they do because sometimes that person was me, when you find yourself in hotsy-totsy love with somebody and the passion is there the bloom is on the rose you're having a great time and then you have your first fight some people talk it through some people start throwing the china around the room and say i never want to see you again you make me sick and they may have been dating for 30 or 60 days I wonder if there is in your own mind, because you work with this stuff all the time and with people, if there is an elegant means, an elegant system, if we're to be systematic about it, to deal with the issues that arise when you find yourself in a new relationship and there's the turn of a different card. There's an aspect of your lover's personality that manifests and you didn't see it coming. So love found me. What next?
2: Well, you know, it's funny, Gary, but the last chapter of my book, Love Will Find You, is all about that, actually. And so it's called A Relationship from Heaven. And it is how to to deal with the bumps that do come when you're coming together with somebody and putting your life together and what to do. And so it talks about better communication, fair fight rules, so when that disagreement does come up, you don't degenerate into your old pattern. Uh, which many of us have not fun patterns. Uh, And so I talk about that, and it's certainly, as people find their soulmates, then that that is next. That's what we get into.
0: Suzanne's looking at the chapter. If you find something quotable in there, just go ahead and read it. (laughs) The whole
2: thing's quotable.
1: I can't read the whole
2: chapter. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having my book right there as a reference. I love that. But I do believe it can stay good, and it doesn't even have to take that much work. Um, When you're with the right person, it's easy. Your stuff still will come up, and so uh, we want to handle it, get over it, and get back to the love affair.
1: You know, um, Catherine, Gary and I have been together a lot of years, and I think when anybody is with somebody for a, a particular length of time, you need to think about the, the work, the bills. If you have children, you have to think about the children. You might have to think about the elderly parents. Life itself starts intruding on your relationship. And, and one of the things that I think that um, helps Gary and me is that we have some rituals that we do. And and the more rituals that you can kind of incorporate into a relationship, I think you're kind of reminded about the fact that you're in it together. And one of the things that we actually started more recently, you would think after 18 years, it wouldn't be recent. But within the last year, we really um, made it a point to hug each other every day. We might be busy. There might be doctors or dentist appointments. There might be telephone calls. There might be paperwork that has to be done and other things going on. But even if it's for 10 seconds, it's like, let's hug. Because you, when we're going in our day-to-day stuff, we have to be reminded that we're in it together. And, and so that's one of the things. But we have other kinds of rituals where we'll do things on a particular day. We'll, we'll draw a, a, a card on a Saturday. We'll drink out of a particular mug out of a Monday. And so uh, I, I like that kind of thing for keeping people together long-term. What is your feeling about that?
2: I You're on to something, and I don't know if you know this, but research backs up what you're talking about. Um, a study came down a couple years ago that if you – will make out with your partner daily if you actually kiss. Um, it, it, it studies show that the relationship will be more solid, retain the romance, and last longer. And, um, and what you guys are doing is similar. And also, just because I've known you guys for a long time, too, you exhibit one of the characteristics that does mean that a, a couple will stay together long term. And that is that you very much respect each other um and so that's a big component in staying together as well but i love how you're doing these rituals and finding things that you share
1: things to do on a, on a regular or a periodic but regular basis because it's very easy for individual people to have their individual issues problems and things to do list you know i need to run here go there do this errand you know send that out it, my day just gets filled with a whole bunch of stuff like that and I never want there to be a whole day where I'm not connected with Gary at some point at some point so I mean I don't put him on my to-do list but invisibly he, he's on there every single day and and I and I think that um, that's part of the idea of, you know, what do you do when you get somebody and all of the initial, you know, honeymoon wears off and then you're like two people that, you know, need to shower and shave and do stuff. Um, You know, you need to find ways that will put you together in a, a meaningful way and it doesn't have to take a long time. You just have to be conscious about it.
2: Yeah, that's it's so nice that you brought that up because I feel like what you're saying, the mundane day-to-day stuff, is the biggest thing that gets in the way. People get so caught up in, in that that it's easy to forget the romance or backburner it. And I think that's a big mistake. There needs to be a conscious effort to keep the romance. And I, I do believe like the seventh honeymoon, I always say this when I teach, the seventh honeymoon can be more juicy, In the first because you know each other better with a different level of intimacy which you know a lot of people don't get to you guys and we both have been in it a long time and uh and so you see that it can be richer and more meaningful than when you just are first getting to know someone and you fall in love in a different and deeper way and I'm glad you're bringing that up Suzanne because I feel like that's the number one thing that gets in the way is just getting so caught up in mundane day-to-day stuff forgetting the magic and the romance and the gratitude for having that connection, walking hand-in-hand through life with your partner. You know, that's very rich.
1: Yeah, and the, the gratitude part is important as well. And, you know, especially around Valentine's Day, Gary and I individually had many, 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 many years without a valentine. And so now we've had each other for the last 18. Do we take that for granted? (laughs) No.
2: I love that. Well, see, that's why sometimes those of us who wait, I was kind of a late bloomer into love myself. Uh, And uh, it's so great in one way, and I'll tell anybody who's listening to us who who has struggled to find love and it's been a while, is that when you do find it, you get to be the happiest because you will never take it for granted, just like you're saying, Suzanne.
1: Yeah. 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 After, you know, decades of not having somebody for Valentine's Day, when I finally did get somebody, I'm grateful for it all the time. And we found ourselves saying yesterday, aren't we glad we have each other? Mm, You know, that's nice.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's really lovely. When you find the right person, there is nothing richer than walking through life together and just having that closeness.
0: I wanted to read here. This is in the chapter, Once It's Happened, which concludes the main body of your book, Love Will Find You. This is uh, number 18. I don't have my cheaters on, but I think I can read this. To help prevent future fights, engage in regular spiritual practice, either with or without your one. Pray for her or him and for the relationship. Pray with her or him if you can set intentions together for your relationship meditate together i find that suzanne and i don't meditate together as well because we have different styles we're looking for different things in the meditation experience but you really hit the nail on the head with set intentions together for your relationship for 2020 Good year, right? Let's see clearly in 2020 what we want to do, particularly regarding travel, and then go do it. Suzanne and I are in complete accord that we want to enjoy our nation's national parks much more than we have in the past. And we've been to some together. But for example, I would love to go out to California with Suzanne to where I enjoyed multiple trips in my youth to Yosemite. I know it's very oh, different from the... Oh,
2: that is so magical. What a great and, idea.
0: And, you know, we've been to Yellow, so we made that happen. Suzanne and I decided mm-hmm. we were going to do the cross-country trip, and we just set that as a goal. We are going to experience Yellowstone, and we loved it so much we want to spend more time there on a second trip. But I would love to take Suzanne to Yosemite. She's never been and some of the most magical summers of my life, even though I live seven miles from Disneyland. The magic for me was uh, experienced very acutely when my folks would take me to Yosemite. I really felt I was in God's living room, and I would love for her to have that experience. It's something special that you strive for together because you always have something to look forward to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You could do so many fun things. Well, I love that in the national parks. I don't know why, but every time I go to one, it's magic. They truly are like sacred places. And um, I love that you guys are doing that. And, and that's what you can do. Once you have your Valentine, all of a sudden you can create these amazing adventures together like you guys are doing.
0: And I definitely recommend that if it isn't national parks that, that get you. I know an author about a book on love who loves to go to places where they have lovely beaches. Her name is Catherine <laughs> Alice.
2: <laughs> that's me. Yes, we went island hopping for five years. And we took our kids and uh, and looked at so many tropical beaches and, and untouched tropical beaches and at the best time ever. And we still do that whenever we can. We still go and try to see all the islands.
0: In your workshops, do you deal with very many people? And I'm going to say, would it be, I think, maybe more than one in 10 is my guess. But Catherine, do you... Have ways of steering people away from this fatalistic thought that because their partner died or there was a divorce, they have used up their sum total of one soulmate for a lifetime, and everything else is just settling.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I get, I do get people like that who they came, uh, they came to, uh, you know, to that place where they died and they come to me and they're like, well, was that it? You know, it was so good. I'll never replicate it. And my, my t- thought to them is this, if you sought me out, because you won't love again, you've got another soulmate and it's not going to be the same, but it'll be just as good in a different way. But you won't, it, you're not going to be sitting there planning for this person forever. If you won't love again, if you won't love again, that means you have somebody. If you don't, if you're like, okay, that chapter's done. I'm now going to enjoy our kids together or enjoy my alone time, then you might not have a soulmate. But that's my indicator there's another person waiting, is if they have that uh, compulsion to to seek me out or need some help and want more love, and they get it for
0: sure. I like that. Yeah. And you decide when to close down your shop. I know people who are still open to having love affairs, and they are in their 80s. God bless them and they still have working parts, so they figure it must not be time to quit yet. And other people, uh, someone perhaps who's been married three times, they had a couple of divorces, then found their true soulmate, wonderful relationship, and then the partner died. And now that they're in their early to mid 80s, they decide, you know, that part of my life is over. I wanna get it right in spiritual terms. And so they turn their attention to these deeper spiritual matters instead of experiencing that through relationship, through marriage, which is perfectly fine, too. What is the central element? In both cases, it's a matter of choice. You are still in control. You get to choose.
2: Right, that's right. You do. And uh, and some people do, and they really want that, and some people really are done. And either way is, is equally valid. Hmm.
1: Yes, I like that. I once had a conversation with a friend of ours where um, who is currently unpartnered, and I said to her, you, "You learn different things about yourself when you are unpartnered than you do when you're partnered, But it's still all about learning about yourself. It's all about how you react to things. Um, you know your own soul's growth and your soul's growth will grow whether you're by yourself or with somebody
2: is not that the truth you know people sometimes think that it it somehow you have to be perfect before you find your soulmate and have dealt with all your growth and that couldn't be further from the truth because as you guys know once you're together you're still growing And, and there's a way you learn about yourself that you might not when you're not partnered up so both are good but it certainly doesn't stop once you find your soulmate.
1: Well, I couldn't much have the experience of jealousy when I was by myself, but <laughs> get me with Gary and then I can find out, oh, yes, I do have a jealous side.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I, I always say a little jealousy is good because it means you care. Um, a lot of jealousy is an issue and it has to be dealt with. But it sounds like you have the right amount.
1: Yes, Yes, and and there's not that many unmarked
2: graves.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And a little jealousy has its uses. I have been in a relationship, it was a long-term relationship too, with someone who looked for ways to make me jealous, and I was pretty reactive for a while, and then I woke up to what was going on, and I decided I'm going to use a little emotional jujitsu and I started to encourage this lady to do the things that she thought were going to make me jealous as though we were celebrating our freedom. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Sure, go right ahead. I don't have a problem with it. And to just get into the role of a guy who doesn't have a problem with this or that flirtatious behavior. Well, so what happened? The flirtatious behavior died out quickly.
2: Nice. Yeah, well, that was, that was a good way to handle it.
0: I didn't know any other way. I exhausted all the other ways, so <laughs> so I figured uh-huh. I would just try that. And again, it comes back to uncondition. This is what the, the great, the late great psychologist Albert Ellis called USA, unconditional self-acceptance. If you can accept right. yourself with your foibles, with your flaws, with the weaknesses in your personality. Unconditional self-acceptance is tremendously liberating, and it gives you the freedom as well to accept other people in their human fallibility, because that's all of us. From the day we're born till the day we die, we are going to be mistake-prone humans. That's who we are. And if you can get past that through self-acceptance, you start to find that you can accept other people with their weaknesses, with their shortcomings, and it just takes a lot of the burden of life off your shoulders.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: That's I did want very to ask
0: you. help with love. Oh, I, w- I would think you get out of your own way, you know.
3: So yeah, we have about a minute totally. and
0: a half. I did want to ask you, Catherine, are you planning another book? I'd sure love to read it.
2: Oh, well, maybe I'll do the one you said. Love will find me now. Why, <laughs> if you don't mind me using that title, that's a pretty good one.
0: No, I hope you will. And I tell you, it's great that you mentioned that the last chapter covers that because that becomes the, the first chapter, the springboard, the yeah. first chapter for a exactly, companion Exactly, it could volume. be
2: based on that. And I, yeah. you know, I've been doing this work a long time now since the book came out, so I have a lot more soulmates I've worked with as they as they've come together. So I have a lot of new material. So I do need to do that. I think you're right. But right now, people just need to look for the audiobook because it's coming out. Um, I'm doing chapter by chapter this year. Everybody can get it for free. If they sign up, though, they have to sign up. But um, you can get it if you email us at info at And you could get a chapter a month and do it with other like-minded people for free. So... That's beautiful great.
0: the book once again love will find you nine magnets to bring you and your soulmate together katherine alice always a joy to have you my dear let's do it again
2: for sure thank you so much susanna gary it's been a delight as always and i'm wishing you guys all the best
0: thank you likewise all right coming up next jupiter rising oh well that's our buddies eileen grimes doug johnston gotta stay tuned to that have a great valentine's weekend everyone we'll be back next friday 10 a.m pacific right here at seattle's home of alternative talk a.m 1150 have a great weekend the preceding audio was via a skype call